This is U.S. Army. Closer look. I think the job is pretty awesome. Innovating. Insight. Soldiers. Soldiers. Mission. Closer look. Closer look. Those who were there. Uh, and what we need to make sure is we have the most capable army to deliver specific effects on a battlefield relative to U.S. national security interests. Those experiences, those strategies. Closer look. Closer look. Army Media. Thank you for joining us on Closer Look. I'm Elliot Valdez. We continue with the second of our exclusive two-part series with Medal of Honor recipient, retired Captain Gary Michael Rose, and his personal accounts of Operation Tailwind, Chavane Laos, September 11th, 1970. Well, we, we got to go mission, and so we started in. And um, I know in the prep, I was only told what I needed to know to do whatever it was. And I was told maybe, you know, take a lot of extra medical stuff because, and I could observe, and I knew talking to the guys, that uh, they were carrying a lot more ammo than they ever, ever, ever do normally on most missions. And uh, I knew, you know, I knew the escape routes. I had the mini pounder and all and of that nature. And I knew it's, we were going deep into Laos because we were um, five minutes, Docto was five minutes from the border by air, and we flew about 45 minutes. So we, we were about 70 some kilometers into uh, into Laos, which was really deep. And so we 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 crossed the border and we're going in around 4,000 feet and we start from the get-go after we crossed a certain line, we started taking ground fire. And if you've ever seen the first 30 minutes of Saving Private Ryan, that, that, that noise with the rounds hitting the hulls, those uh, landing craft, well, it's very similar to being in a helicopter. Well, a marine helicopter, the CH-54s. Sounds like popcorn popping to me. Well, we're taking rounds. We actually had a one or two yards, I, I'm not sure the numbers now, actually get hit. and. When we landed on the LZ, we actually had to step over them to get out. Those did not die, by the way. They, they took them back and patched them up, and they were fine. We hit the ground. We were skirmishing from the first day. Uh, we started taking injuries. Uh, Bernie got hit in the head. Smith got uh, Hagen. He got a round punch through his protective mask, uh, and uh, Smith took a, which later proved not very badly. But at first, I wanted to check it out. He took a something to the to a rib, and we had two mountain yards killed. And uh, so the next morning, the second day. In the process of strapping the two mountain yards to poles, and we're going to take them with us. We ultimately, I told them to leave them because we just couldn't carry them because uh, I knew the casualties were going to mount. And we took a B-40 round, and that's when I got a hole blown through my foot about the size of my thumb. Took a round, took a piece of my hand, and peppered with metal and bamboo because the round B-40 was fired at us and hit about 10 feet behind us into a bamboo in that 
part of the Laos was, God, it was like that big around. It was old. It's in, and you, when you think bamboo is grass, it's amazing how big that stuff gets and how hard it gets. So we continued to fight. Spectre came in during the night to lay down fire. We weren't getting much sleep. Uh, we weren't eating. Water was, we had water. I, I used to carry a canteen right here with a tube I could suck on. And that lasted the first day because I took a fragment, hit my water, my canteen in my chest. So <laughs> at first I thought, and it was warm, you know, so at first when I got hit with it, I said, you know, you feel this warm stuff going down you and you just go, oh no. And then I realized it was water. <laughs> you know, so anyway, uh, I by then was concentrating on the wounded. Uh, at, we had to dig trenches at night to protect them from uh, grenade and rocket fire. Uh, we were constantly getting hit and probed. Uh, we, I think we had them pretty well confused. McCarley, a pretty good field commander because we were moving so much and so often and zigzagging and uh, they were lo kept losing us and then that's a small unit would find us and probe us and then it kept going on like that day in and day out until the fourth day when we were, we were running out of ammunition, we were out of food, uh, water was getting sourced because we had moved away from uh, any water source at all. Um, that's when uh, the Air Force came in and, and broke up a charge. We were, according to the Air Force guys, they saw about a thousand of them on the, some 500 meters from us. And if the Air Force hadn't done what they did, uh, we would not be having this conversation to this day. I, myself and the other guys would still probably be in Laos. Um, we got to the LZ, the first chopper came in. We got the wounded up on the first chopper and the yards were itching to get out of there. So there was, I hesitant to use the word panic, but I, they didn't really panic, but they more got on the first helicopter than we thought should have. I was later told that it was amazing that that helicopter get off the ground and that heat and that many people on it. The second one came in and uh, picked up some more and that left about 35 of us on the ground. The third one came in to get us and by then the 12.5s had zeroed in on our location pretty accurately and, and that helicopter was taking a pounding as it came in to get us and uh, we were fighting on the perimeter at that point pretty close. Uh, I remember uh, I, I had given most of my magazines away and um, Landon, I gave my rifle away because he ran out. And I, because uh, the reason I gave mine away is because one of our yards in front of me had gone down. So I went forward to pick him up. And by then, Landon, Lieutenant Landon was out of ammo. So he helped me drag the, uh, that wounded mountain yard and we got him up on the, by the time we got to the tail end of the helicopter, that's when uh, McCarley and uh, Adair, the first sergeant that, and the company commander were, were, were at the tail end of the ship and we, were, we got up on the tailgate. And he lifted off and we still kept taking rounds. You could hear the popping. And uh, I remember sitting on the tailgate at that point with Bernie Bright, Sergeant First Class Bernie Bright. And all of a sudden the, the helicopter went quiet. And uh, well, that's because the engine quit.
we were at that point losing fuel and hydraulic fluid. And um, to this day, I'm not sure which one of us said it, but we had, there was a conversation. I remember the conversation, but it's funny. I can't remember who, which side of the conversation I was on. But Bernie and I were talking and, he, and one of us said, uh, we're gonna crash. And the other one said, yep, we're going down. And we just sat there arm in arm looking at the ground coming up. And then the next thing I know, uh, a Marine tapped me on the shoulder because one of the Marines that was firing a 50 cal up by the, they had two 50 cals up at the front. And uh, he'd gotten hit in the throat. And um, I can tell you this much, God decided that he was not gonna die that day because his throat was looked like somebody had taken a sharp egg beater and just chewed up the front of his neck but it missed all the vitals, the carotids and everything, but he was just bleeding like a stuck pig. And uh, at that time I was out of anything. So I, I think I stiffened his neck up by, um, they tell me, by getting pulling some uh, bandanas and that's what I was using to help him with. And then the next thing I know, he and I were on a riverbank looking at this giant thing coming at us which was the helicopter. We had, uh, one of the pilots said, two people apparently had been thrown forward as it rolled. He and I would just happen to be in the perfect position and he, he and I went through the, forward, the left gun port out of the helicopter and we hit the sand. And, um, and I can still remember that helicopter coming at us and we're just, and I, and I, I guess I was pretty dazed because I just sat there and watched it come at me. And it stopped about maybe, I don't know, you know, I, it could be 10 feet, it could have been five feet, I don't know. But I, the next thought that I knew was I had to get back on that helicopter because there was probably people hurt. So I climbed, and to this day, I don't know if I went through a hole in the ship or, 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 or a door. I really can't tell you. Because I don't even remember ever seeing uh, a side door on one of those CH-54. So I climbed back on and by then I noticed that all the equipment was on top of people. So I started throwing equipment out. And by then, and, and I'm sure it was within minutes, some of the people that had been thrown or made their way out of the helicopter were back in helping, extricating the people out. And I remember as we were pulling people out, if we found a, a weapon, we would sling it over their neck. A lot of good it did because probably, I don't think there were probably 20 rounds by then between the rest of us. And, but thank God for the Air Force because they were up above us. And they were pretty much making sure nobody was coming at us. And uh, the big thing that I didn't think about at the time, but uh, we were so lucky that with the fuel and the hydraulic fluid going everywhere, that that thing didn't explode on impact or else it would have been curtains for us. And then um, we got enough people out and I know, remember one of the Marine pilots, his infantry training must have kicked in because he started helping uh, McCarley and, and Adair uh, start to form a perimeter initially for protection. And then the fourth helicopter, which we were supposed to get on because myself, Cap McCarley and the first sergeant, we, that was one of my jobs was to be on the last ship, I, one of the first ships in and the last ship out because you want the medic there all the time. 
And McCarley and Adair were the last, as they said, to step from the field of battle. It's really, uh, it's it's really a, a foggy. Uh, it, it's 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 nothing is clear. It's almost like, it's really like a surreal, like almost like a dream. Because it, because I know, uh, like for example, uh, my captain McCarley, he got slammed into the bulkhead and he he lost what twelve teeth. But he, he had enough sense that he wasn't going to leave without the intel that we had jammed that he had jammed in this rucksack. Well, he gets off the helicopter, and there's the first sergeant initially standing about waist deep in water, just going. <laughs> and McCarley's thought was, "Top, why are you going swimming at a time like this?" I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And that and that's what I'm trying to tell you is you're 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 asking for details on that crash, and I and. And even talking two months ago at the Special Forces Convention, we're all talking, and none of us are really clear on who did what to whom. It just seemed, I mean, I think at that time, I have to go back to training and compassion and say whatever it was kicked in, and we were, we were, we were almost operating almost so semi-conscious because we were, we were really stunned. And I, to this day, do not remember getting on that fourth helicopter. I don't remember getting on that fourth CH-54. I don't remember getting to Contum in it. I remember, the next thing I remember, I was on that helicopter, down helicopter, and the next thing I can consciously remember is standing at our launch point at Docto. And I know I didn't walk there, so and I know I had to get on that fourth helicopter. And I know everybody else was on that fourth helicopter, but I honestly can look you in the eye and tell you, I cannot remember, I can't even remember getting back off that helicopter, that downed helicopter myself. That's how foggy it was at that point. So we get back to Docto and, and we have, by then we have a lot of medics had come in from Contum. Uh, we had, uh, aircraft coming in to take the wounded and what have you to the uh, play coup for the hospitalization. And because of all the aircraft coming in the Docteau, up on the hill above us, around Firebase 6, or used to be Firebase 6, their MVA had mortars and rockets, and they started pelting our position down, and they actually hit a, a Cobra and it blew. And uh, fortunately, nobody was hurt. But and then the Arvin opened up because there was a one five five Arvin battery next door, and the Arvin opened up and quieted them down. So we were able to get everybody on helicopters and head either for Contum or for uh, for Pleiku for the hospitalization. Uh, we get back to Contum. Uh, there's the picture of me. Everybody's got beers in their hand by then. I mean it. It, uh, I think it was Schlitz. In fact, I know it's Schlitz. And I had two beers, and I tell you, I drank both of them. Um, we went back to our, our respective rooms, got rid of those nasty uniforms, took a shower, went and got something to eat, went to the club for a little bit. I came back to the, uh, like the rest of the guys, went to bed and went to sleep. Got up the next morning, uh, there's a picture of us in various shades of different military and civilian dress. 
going to S2 for our, our debriefing. Had the afternoon off and uh, that night uh, went to bed, got up the next morning, put my uniform on, my boots, my hat, went down to the dispensary and started sick call about 6.30 that morning for Americans, Mountain Yards, and their families, and any local Vietnamese national that needed any medical help. So that's it in a nutshell. And as far as thinking about the mission, never gave it much thought after that, mainly because when you left Max Sog, you had to sign all these non-disclosure documents. And so for 30 years, or almost 30 years, I really never thought about it. Even when the guys would get together and we talk, we never mentioned the mission, never talked about Max Sog or anything that went on Max Sog. And that, in a nutshell, is what I remember. And you, you have to understand, I'm 70 years old, and this thing's happened almost 50 years ago. And, and I, uh, yeah, the fourth one, the rescue help. Or, see, they, they had four helicopters. They, they figured they'd one, two, three, four on that LZ to pick us up. But by the time the third ship got up, all everybody was off the ground. So they didn't need the fourth helicopter, which was a godsend because that's the one that finally, it basically the last 35 on the ground, it took two helicopters to get us out of Laos. And we left the one behind. And uh, I, I do know that that one we left behind was full of hydraulic fluid, blood and and fuel. In fact, one of the pilots said that they strafed it several times before it finally exploded. They get, you know, they, they would do that to make sure it was destroyed as much as possible. And it just wouldn't go even after strafing it with the A1E. So I have, that's why, uh, you know, I, I am a, I'm a religious individual and, and, and I, I honestly believe that Somebody up there decided that those of us have survived that crash and it, he, he decided that we weren't going to die that day. Closer look. Closer look. This is U.S. Army. Closer look. I think the job is pretty awesome. Innovating. Insight. Soldiers. Soldiers. Mission. Closer look. Closer look. Those who were there. Uh, and what we need to make sure is we have the most capable army to deliver specific effects on a battlefield relative to U.S. national security interests. Those experiences, those strategies. Closer look. Closer look. Army Media.